Well, today we're going to go ahead and continue our series, Mission 2022, and we've only got two more sermons left in this series, but what I've wanted to do is, is I've wanted to get us on the right track in 2022 to get us focused about where God is leading us as a church. And I've always been um, a believer that the first century church in Acts is the best model that you'll ever find. That is the model of church life and the way the church operates that we need to get the closest to. Because if you notice in the first century church, many people were coming to Christ. There, there was such a powerful presence of God's work there in that part of the world during that time. Even on the day of Pentecost, we find out that some 3,000, and we'll see that in our scripture today, were added to the church in one day. After one sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ. You may say, Ben, that doesn't happen anymore, but could it? Yes, of course it could. But we as a church have got to be about the business of God, about the mission. And the mission is to see as many souls saved as possible. And that's what we need to be about. So this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 37. If you guys will find that in your Bible, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37. And the title of my sermon today is A Modern Offense. A Modern Offense. So when you find your place there in Acts chapter 2, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin in verse 37 and read through verse 41. It says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful, Lord, for the presentation that Brother Jeff has brought. We're thankful, Jesus, that you are working in our public schools. Jesus, we are thankful for these teachers, God, who are committed to their faith. Lord, we know that the public school system can be difficult to share your faith in, but we know that we have people who you have put in the system, God, in order to help lead children to you. And I am so thankful, God, for those teachers and those administrations today, God. Lord, we're thankful for your word, and as we look to, to see how Pole Creek needs to continue to move forward in our community, to see souls saved, I pray that you would speak to us, God, through this first century church and this event on the day of Pentecost. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So a modern offense, and what I want us to see is, is how the message that Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost was offensive. And a lot of times we look at, as, at an offense as something bad. We're going to find that actually the offense of the gospel is a good thing. Offenses are usually defined by someone's culture. So maybe you're from a different part of the country, and maybe there's certain things that we do here that you never grow, grew up seeing, and maybe even some things that could be offensive. Uh, sometimes we hear people from other countries who come over, and they do things that are offensive, or we do things to them that are offensive because we didn't know. You know, we all are offended by certain things and some things that are different from other people. In Iran, if you give a thumbs up, you could be in a fight pretty soon. Did you know that? that they, they find that offensive. The United Kingdom, a backward peace sign is offensive. In Malaysia, pointing with your index finger is offensive. In Brazil, the OK sign is offensive. In Italy and Spain, the hang loose sign is offensive. In Thailand, touching someone's head is offensive. 
And in India, using your left hand is offensive, and I won't go into why that is. So there's a lot of different cultures. You can Google it later, all right? Uh, there are a lot of different things according to different cultures that are offensive. But there is one offensive message that transcends all culture, that rises above where you were born and where you grew up, and that is the message of the gospel. You know, one thing, if we're talking about offenses, I would have to say the one thing that offends me the most, whether you care or not, I'm going to tell you anyways, is when I'm driving through my neighborhood and I'll throw my hand up and wave at somebody in my neighborhood and they don't wave back. Raise your hand if that makes you mad. Yeah, all right, good. I'm not alone. So there's always those things, but I will say this. The message of the gospel offends everyone, and I'm going to explain a little bit why I'm saying that. So the first thing that I want us to see about the gospel message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was that it was a message that is difficult to hear. A message that is difficult to hear. If you go back to verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said, uh, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? There was an anguish that they experienced after hearing the gospel. They were pierced or cut to the heart. Have you ever heard something that just cut you to the heart? It just severed your emotions. It just brought you such a level of grief and mourning that you almost could not bear it. That is what the gospel many times does. Have you ever personally been told something that was difficult to hear? Maybe, maybe you were at work and you did a poor job. You did a bad job that day. Or you, you were put in charge of a project and it was a complete flop. And your boss told you this was a complete flop. That's hard to hear, isn't it? Or maybe you said something you shouldn't have said one day. Maybe you were just kind of running at the mouth and you, know, you said a few things that offended someone or hurt someone's feelings and you think back later and, man, I shouldn't have said that. And come to find out you did hurt their feelings and they, they approach you about it. You know the only way, though, that any of us will ever improve in anything that we do is if we hear things about ourselves that we may not particularly like. That's the only way you're ever going to change. Listen, if people are always just patting you on the back and you're doing such a fantastic job and you're doing such a good job, well, you may be to a certain extent, but there are times in your life that you need to hear, hey, you need to improve on this. Hey, you know, that probably wasn't right and you probably shouldn't have done that. Hey, why don't you think through this next time before you do that? Well, the gospel is that for the lost person. The gospel message is a message that people strolling through life don't necessarily want to hear. So when Peter had concluded that Pentecost Day sermon, Peter directly laid blame at the feet of those who were present. If you look in verse uh, 23 of Acts chapter 2, he says this, Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Here we have these Jews who had converged in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They were there to fulfill their duties as Jews and, and sacrifice on the day of Pentecost, something that the Jewish people had been doing for some 1,500 years before. And they converge on this place after that sound of the mighty rushing wind. And Peter begins to preach. And Peter looks at him and says, You killed Jesus. You turned him over into the hands of lawless men and you allowed them to kill him. It's your fault. Man, if you were there that day, that'd been, whoa. That's not what I was expecting to hear. I mean, I was expecting to have a motivational speech or, you know, you tell me how good I'm doing, but what? It was my fault that Jesus died on the cross. It was my fault that he was murdered. He goes forward in verse 36 and he says this. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Again, he lays the blame at their feet and says, you are the ones who killed him. You are the ones who are standing in the need of salvation. You are the ones who are standing on the verge of judgment. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, the Bible says this, and you don't have to turn there. But it says, for it stands in Scripture, and this is a, a prophecy that he is reiterating in, in 1 Peter. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. Here he's talking about the Jewish people in this prophecy. That chief cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, the Jews had a problem with Jesus. They didn't like the fact that he told them that he was God. They didn't like the fact that he was the son of a carpenter and he was not a prestigious man. They didn't like the fact that he was, wasn't wealthy. They didn't like the fact that he was going to die on a criminal's cross because they said, listen, our king is not that lowly. The king that we're expecting, the great Messiah we're expecting, is going to ride in on a white horse and he's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and he's going to destroy the Roman Empire. See, that was their mindset. But now you have this lowly, humble uh, Nazarene who, who comes in on a donkey in the city of Jerusalem, whose dad is a carpenter, who never even had a place to lay his own head, who never even owned a piece of property. And they said, we will not believe that he is the Messiah. It was an offensive message to them. It was an offensive message to even make claim that the Messiah would be that kind of a man and that kind of a person. Well, today I'm here to say that the message of the gospel is still just as offensive. Today there are still people who when you share with them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God and that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, they throw up their hand and they say, I don't want it. And the reason I believe most people reject the gospel of Jesus Christ is because they don't want to admit their failures. They don't want to admit their shortcomings. They don't want to admit they're sinners in need of a Savior. See, the whole mentality of our society today is, is that if you just believe enough and you just strive enough and you just work hard enough and you just have the right education, everything is going to work out and you can do whatever you want to do. It's all about you and the power that you have within you that is going to allow you to achieve these successes. But the gospel teaches a completely different message. The gospel says that on your best day, you cannot be who you need to be. That on your best day, you are not good enough to be in the presence of God. That on your best day, you are still a sinner. And a lot of people say, Ben, I don't want to hear that. That is not encouraging. That is not uplifting. That is offensive to me. I think I'm doing pretty good. And here you have the cycle of that same offense that rolls over and over again in humanity. People who refuse to humble themselves before the greatness and the holiness of God. Well, these people were cut to the heart that day. They were struggling. They, they were under some great pain and suffering as they were made to understand what the, where the blame laid. And you know what today? We can truly say there's probably not a Jewish person in this house today. But we can all say that, you know what, it was my fault that Jesus died on that cross. It was for me that he was crucified. It was for me that his blood was shed. God, I mean, the Bible says we know the most common verse uh, of our church is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. He loved you. And that's why he gave Jesus. You know what? We're sinners. And the only way that we were ever going to get to go to heaven is if a perfect sacrifice died on the cross for us. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And just a regular lamb would not have done it. It had to be a perfect lamb. And that lamb was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus even offended a lot of people. You know, a lot of people have this mentality about Jesus. You know, if you take like a world religions class at, at like a public university, you know, where they, where they have a, a secular view of who Jesus was, you know, they're going to say things like, oh, he was just so kind and he was so soft and he was so gentle. Listen, Jesus was not always soft and gentle. Jesus offended a lot of people. Jesus had a message that divided. Jesus himself even said that I'm going to divide father against son and mother against daughter. And what he was referring to was is that the message that I'm here to proclaim, what I'm going to live out before you is going to divide people. Because there are going to be some people who will not bow to the offense of the gospel and there are some people who will. I am thankful that when I was a six-year-old little boy, I bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I admitted my need. I admitted my sinfulness. I admitted that. And based upon that and my trusting in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, I'm a saved Christian today. Many of you have done the same thing, but I believe there may be some here today who you have been too offended, and you have refused to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 58, the Bible says this, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. You say, so? That sounds like a pretty good statement. Well, here's how the Pharisees took it in verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. You say, why were they going to throw stones at Jesus, Ben? Because he offended them. You know what he said there? Jesus said, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, first of all, was saying that he pre-existed Abraham, that he existed before Abraham existed. And when he used the word I am, he was referring to the burning bush in the book of Exodus when Moses asked, whom should I tell the people of Israel that sent me? Who should I tell sent me? And God said from the burning bush, tell them I am that I am has sent you. Jesus was telling the Pharisees in that moment, I'm God. I'm the same God who was in the burning bush. I'm the same God who created the heavens and the earth. I am. And it says they picked up stones to throw at him because it offended them so much. It's about pride. And mo anyone who does not go to heaven, anyone who refuses to accept Jesus, I'll bet you a million dollars it'll be because of that P word, pride. I don't need to get fixed. I don't need anything that this Jesus has. I've got it taken care of. I've got it under control. Every other religion, and I've said this and I'm going to say it again, every other religion other than Bible-believing Christianity teaches that you can be good enough on your own. That is the central premise of every other religion, is that if you do X, Y, Z, you do it faithfully, you get to go to heaven. Just check your boxes and just make sure you do that stuff and you'll get to go to heaven. Christianity's not like that. Christianity says you can't get there. As we're going through EE Evangelism Explosion classes on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, which I encourage all of you to sign up for this next semester that's coming up soon, as, as we talk through that, the key piece of information that we try to communicate to those who we're sharing the gospel with is that you cannot earn or deserve your salvation. 
You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't pay enough. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven. And you leave them with that initially, that bad news. But then what you do is you come around and you say, but God solved that problem through Jesus Christ. Jesus took on your sin and your punishment so that the price for your sins could be paid. So now one day, church, when I go to heaven and when I stand before God and I'm at the gates of heaven and he asks me, Ben, why should I let you into my heaven? You know what I'm going to say? Because I have your holiness. Because your blood has been applied to my soul. I'll get to heaven one day because of Jesus' holiness. Because of his blood. Because of his righteousness. It was the worst deal in the history of mankind. Jesus took all my sin. Jesus took all my punishment. Jesus took all my hell. Jesus took all my judgment. And you know what he gave me in return? His holiness. So now when God looks at me, you know what? He sees the holiness of Jesus, his son. He no longer sees the stained, sinful, wicked Ben that I am, but he sees Jesus. And you know what? Today, you may have never trusted in Jesus. Maybe the gospel has offended you, and rightfully so. It is a difficult message. But you know what I love about these folks here at the day of Pentecost? It certainly pierced them to the heart, but they asked a very simple question. Brothers, what should we do? Hey, I feel anguish right now. I, I realize I'm a sinner, and I realize there's no way for me to get to heaven. I realize that the death of Jesus of Nazareth is laid at my feet, and it's my sin that nailed him to that cross. What should I do now? And here's what the apostles said in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God is still in the saving business today? The Bible teaches us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you shall be saved. And you know what we ask all Christians to do? Follow through in baptism. Now, baptism doesn't save you, but you know what baptism does? As you get up here in this baptistry and your church family is watching you, you know, you're proclaiming to them that I have trusted in the Lord Jesus, that I have died to my old self and I have been raised a new creature. And you know what that says? That says, I am proclaiming my relationship with Jesus. There's places in this world that if you get baptized, that's a death sentence. If you, if you make a public profession of faith in certain Islamic countries, that's a death sentence. And they're still doing it. And sometimes we look at baptism, oh, it's just one of those things. It's not necessary for salvation, so you know, I'll, I'll get to it when I can. We, know we need to prioritize baptism. Because it is a message that we are proclaiming to the world, I've trusted in Jesus. I've admitted that I'm a sinner. And you know what? Jesus is the answer. Jesus saved me, and now I'm going to follow him. That's why we always ask that question. Do you promise to follow Jesus all the days of your life? And I love it when those little kids, you just see their head shake. Yes. Isn't that awesome? So you know what? I'm praying that Pole Creek in 2022 continues to move forward. Even though we are holding on to an offensive message, it is the only message that can save a lost soul. It is the only message that can bring about hope. It is the only way that a hellbound sinner 
can become a heaven-bound saint. And today, as Brother Jeff has shared, as that is an evangelistic ministry, let's get behind these ministries. Let's truly impact our community with the gospel. Let's make a difference in Candler. Let's make it to be that because Pole Creek is in Candler, North Carolina, Candler, North Carolina is a better place to live. And I believe that we have the influence and God has given us the authority in this area to do just that. But it's going to take all of us serving together. It's going to take all of us coming together and serving in unity under the message of the gospel. Let's pray.